Hi, everybody. I'm Gloria Moraga. This is Political Woman. I'm going to try something a little different this episode. For the first time in the history of the United States, an ex-president has been charged with a crime. Not just one crime, but 34 crimes. They all kind of stem from kind of a couple of issues. What I thought I would do is just try this. There were two documents released yesterday when Trump was charged, when he was booked and um, I believe fingerprinted. They didn't take a, uh, a mugshot, but he was read his rights and uh, on and on. So they released the indictment which is a charging sheet, which is just basically lists um, charges. And then the other document that was released was something called a statement of facts. So I'm looking at the document right now, and it says, Supreme Court of the State of New York, County of New York, the people of the state of New York against Donald J. Trump defendant. And then statement of facts. The statement of facts reads, it's a story. It tells a story. So I'm going to read the statement of facts in this podcast. And I am going to interject who some of these people are, because we know the people. But in the um, in the document, it'll say like, I don't know, person one, lawyer A, but we know who those people are. You know, it's public knowledge. So we'll just go ahead and when I know, I'll just name them. Introduction. The defendant, Donald J. Trump, repeatedly and fraudulently falsified New York business records to conceal criminal conduct that hid damaging information from the voting public during the 2016 presidential election. Point two, from August 2015 to December 2017, the defendant orchestrated a scheme with others to influence the 2016 presidential election by identifying and purchasing negative information about him to suppress its publication and benefit the defendant's electoral prospects In order to execute the unlawful scheme, the participants violated election laws and made and caused false entries in the business records of various entities in New York. The participants also took steps that mischaracterized for tax purposes the true nature of the payments made in furtherance of their scheme. One component of this scheme was that At the defendant's request, a lawyer who then worked for the Trump Organization as special counsel to defendant, lawyer A, and that would be Michael Cohen, and of course the defendant is Donald Trump, covertly paid $130,000 to an adult film actress shortly before the election to prevent her from publicizing a sexual encounter with the defendant. Lawyer A, Michael Cohen, made the $130,000 payment 
through a shell corporation he had set up and funded at a bank in Manhattan. This payment was illegal, and lawyer A, Michael Cohen, has since pleaded guilty to making an illegal campaign contribution and served time in prison. Further, false entries were made in New York business records to effectuate this payment separate and apart from the New York business records used to conceal the payment. So see, there's a number of crimes there. This is point four under the heading of introduction. So we're still in the introduction. So we're at four now. After the election, the defendant, Donald Trump, reimbursed lawyer A, Michael Cohen, for the illegal payment through a series of monthly checks. First, from the Donald J. Trump Revocable Trust, the defendant's trust, a trust created under the laws of New York, which held the Trump Organization entity assets after the defendant was elected president, and then from the defendant's bank account. Each check was processed by the Trump Organization, and each check was disguised as payment for legal services rendered in a given month of 2017, pursuant to a retainer agreement. The payment records kept and maintained by the Trump Organization were false New York business records. In truth, there was no retainer agreement, and lawyer A was not being paid for legal services rendered in 2017. That's Michael Cohen, lawyer A. Defendant caused his entity's business records to be falsified to disguise his and others' criminal conduct. So that's the introduction. Here now we go. Background. And this is point five, paragraph five. The defendant is the beneficial owner of a collection of business entities known by the trade name Trump Organization. The Trump Organization comprises approximately 500 separate entities that, among other business activities, own and manage hotels, golf courses, commercial real estate, condominium developments, and properties. The Trump Organization is headquartered at 725 Fifth Avenue in New York County. From approximately June 2015 to November 2016, the defendant was a candidate for the office of President of the United States. On January 20th, 2017, he became President of the United States. Now the next segment, the scheme. Ta -ta -ta -ta. The catch and kill scheme to suppress negative information. All right, this is uh, paragraph seven. During and in furtherance of his candidacy for president, the defendant and others agreed to identify and suppress negative stories about him. Two parties to this agreement have admitted to committing illegal conduct in connection with the scheme. In August 2018, lawyer A, Michael Cohen, pleaded guilty to two federal crimes involving illegal campaign contributions and subsequently served time in prison. In addition, in August 
2018, American Media Inc., AMI, a media company that owned and published magazine, magazines and supermarket tabloids, including the National Enquirer, admitted in a non-prosecution agreement that it made a payment to a source of a story to ensure the source did not publicize damaging allegations about the defendant before the 2016 presidential election and therefore influence that election. So now, just as me talking now, American Media Inc., that's David Pecker. David Pecker was the owner of the National Enquirer in America, American Media Inc. He is no longer. The 2015 Trump Tower meeting. Da, 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 da. This would be like another um, fade to black and then come up. This would be another chapter, a whole chapter. A, the 2015 Trump Tower meeting. In June 2015, the defendant announced his candidacy for president of the United States. Soon after, in August 2015, the defendant met with lawyer A, Michael Cohen, and AMI's chairman and chief executive officer at Trump Tower in New York County. So this is Trump, Cohen, and David Pecker all meeting at Trump Tower. At the meeting, David Pecker agreed to help with the defendant's campaign, saying that he would act as eyes and ears for the campaign by looking out for negative stories about the defendant and alerting lawyer A, Michael Cohen, before the stories were published. David Pecker then also agreed to publish negative stories about the defendant's competitors for the election. So he's promising to write bad things about Hillary Clinton and others. This is part B of this section. Suppressing the doorman's story. A few months later, in or about October or November of 2015, David Pecker learned that a former Trump Tower doorman, and we'll call him the doorman from here on out, and I looked it up, and apparently um, Mia Farrow's son, who's a journalist, did stories on this, and the doorman's name is Dino Sajan. And he was the doorman there at one of the Trump Tower properties. And he was spreading rumors or had information that a woman who worked at the same hotel had a alleged affair with Trump and had a baby when she wasn't married to him. But then everyone has said that that's not true. So that this isn't true that he just made it up to get money. So. David Pecker learned that a former Trump Tower doorman, the doorman, was trying to sell information regarding a child that the defendant that the defendant had allegedly fathered out of wedlock. So, at David Pecker's direction, his company negotiated and signed an agreement to pay the doorman $30,000 to acquire exclusive rights to the story. David Pecker, the National Enquirer, falsely characterized this payment in AMI's books and records, including in its general ledger. Crime, crime, crime. 
AMI purchased the information from the doorman without fully investigating his claim. But David Pecker directed that the deal take place because of his agreement with the defendant, Donald Trump, and lawyer A, Michael Cohen. So they're like paying people off and they don't even know if the story's true or not. Okay, next paragraph. When AMI later concluded that the story was not true, David Pecker wanted to release the doorman from his agreement. However, lawyer A, Michael Cohen, instructed that David Pecker and National Choir not release the doorman until after the presidential election. And David Pecker and the National Choir complied with that instruction because of his agreement with Donald Trump and Michael Cohen. All right, part C of this, suppressing woman one's account. About five months before the presidential election, on or about June 2016, the editor-in-chief of the National Enquirer and AMI's chief content officer contacted lawyer A, Michael Cohen, about a woman, woman one, who alleged she had a sexual relationship with the defendant, Donald Trump, while he was married. David Pecker updated Michael Cohen regularly about the matter over text messages and by phone. The defendant, Donald Trump, did not want this information to become public because he was concerned about the effect it would have on his candidacy. Therefore, the defendant and David Pecker and Michael Cohen had a series of discussions about who should pay woman one off to secure her silence. AMI, or David Pecker, the National Choir, paid $150,000 to woman one in exchange for her agreement not to speak out about the alleged sexual relationship, as well as for two magazine cover features of woman one and a series of articles that would be published under her byline. Now, this woman is Karen McDougal, a very attractive looking woman who um, was a former Playboy model. So she was a Playboy bunny and model. And then she has also done other modeling jobs. National Enquirer, David Pecker, apparently we're going to give her a byline, let her write stuff. AMI falsely characterized this payment to Karen McDougal in the AMI books and records, including its general ledger. So see, there's more malfeasance there. David Pecker agreed to deal, agreed to this deal after discussing it with the defendant, Donald Trump and lawyer A, Michael Cohen. And on the understanding that Michael Cohen and the defendant would reimburse David Pecker and AMI. 14. In a conversation captured in an audio recording in approximately September 2016 concerning Woman One's account, the defendant, Donald Trump, and lawyer A, Michael Cohen, discussed how to obtain the rights to Woman One's account from AMI and to reimburse AMI for its payment. Lawyer A, Michael Cohen, told the defendant he would open up a company for the transfer of Karen McDougal's account and other information. 
And Michael Cohen stated that he had spoken with the chief financial officer for the Trump organization about how to set up the whole thing. So Michael Cohen's talking to this chief financial officer, who is a man who's already pled guilty to crimes and he's in jail right now. He's that really older gentleman that took the fall for Trump. The defendant asked, so this is so Trump now is asking Michael Cohen, so what do we got to pay for this? 150 and and suggested paying by cash. Michael Cohen disagreed. The defendant then mentioned payment by check. After the conversation, Michael Cohen created a shell company called Resolution Consultants on or about September 30th, 2016. So less than two months before the election, on or about September 30th, 2016, David Pecker signed an agreement in which his company agreed to transfer its rights to Karen McDougal's account to Michael Cohen Shell Company for $125,000. However, after the assignment agreement was signed, but before reimbursement took place, David Pecker consulted with his lawyer and told Michael Cohen that the deal to transfer the rights to Michael Cohen Shell Company was off. So David Pecker didn't want to be involved in this. Huh. Suppressing Woman 2's account. So here we come to Stormy Daniels. So that all, one that I just read, was about Karen McDougal, the Playboy Bunny. This one now is about the porn star. About one month before the election, on or about October 7th, 2016, news broke that the defendant had been caught on tape saying to the host of Access Hollywood, I just start kissing them, women. It's like a magnet. Just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the genitals. <laughs> they have grab them by and then in parentheses, genitals. Although he used the P word. You can do anything. So that was Trump saying that on Access Hollywood. The evidence shows that both the defendant and the campaign staff were concerned that the tape would harm Trump's viability as a candidate and reduce his standing with female voters in particular. Shortly after the Access Hollywood tape became public, the National Enquirer's editor-in-chief contacted David Pecker, who was the CEO, so he was the editor-in-chief's boss, about another woman, woman two, who alleged she had a sexual encounter with the defendant while he was married. David Pecker told the editor-in-chief to notify Michael Cohen. On or about October 10th, 2016, the editor-in-chief contacted Michael Cohen with woman two, Stormy Daniels, lawyer. Michael Cohen then negotiated a deal with lawyer B, or Stormy Daniels, lawyer, to secure Stormy Daniels' silence and prevent disclosure of the damaging information in the final weeks before the presidential election. Under the deal, that Lawyer B negotiated, Lawyer B's Stormy Daniels attorney, Stormy Daniels would be paid $130,000 for the rights to her story or her account. The defendant directed Michael Cohen, so Trump directed Michael Cohen, to delay making a payment to woman two as long as possible. 
So Trump's saying to Michael Cohen, don't pay Stormy until absolutely necessary. The defendant, Donald Trump, instructed Michael Cohen that if they could delay the payment until after the election, they could avoid paying altogether. Because at that point, it would not matter if the story became public. He's such a slime ball. According to this, he's such a slime ball, allegedly. As reflected in emails and text messages between Michael Cohen and Stormy Daniels' attorney and the editor-in-chief, Michael Cohen attempted to delay making payments as long as possible. <laughs> this is just so awful. Um, ultimately, with pressure mounting and the election approaching, Trump agreed to pay off and direct Michael Cohen to proceed. So Michael Cohen discussed the deal with Trump and with Pecker. The defendant did not want to make the $130,000 payment himself. So Trump asked Cohen and David Pecker to find a way to make the payment. After discussing various payment options, Cohen agreed that he would make the payment. Before making the payment, Cohen confirmed with Donald Trump that Trump would pay him back. Oh, yeah, he got paid back. All right. <laughs> he got time in the clinky. He had to go to jail. I really like listening to Michael Cohen. He holds, <laughs> he just lets it rip. He cusses. I love that. Point 21. On or about October 26th. Shortly after speaking to Donald Trump, Michael Cohen opened a bank account in Manhattan in the name of Essential Consultants, LLC, a new shell company that he had created to effectuate the payment to Stormy Daniels. He then transferred $130,000 from his personal home equity line of credit into that account. On or about October 27th, Michael Cohen wired $130,000 from that shell company to that shell company in New York to um, Stormy Daniels' attorney to suppress Stormy Daniels' account. Part E, post-election communications with AMI CEO. So this is post-election communications with David Pecker. On November 8th, 2016, the defendant won the presidential election. It was a dark day for me and became president-elect. Thereafter, AMI, so National Enquirer people, released both the doorman and woman won from their non-disclosure agreement. So now Donald Trump has won. Now he doesn't care who talks about all of his encounters with women because he figures, oh, I've got, got the presidency now. Go ahead. Say whatever you want. And, you know, everybody said a lot of things about him that are, are true and it hasn't mattered to the cult. The defendant was inaugurated as president on January 20th, 2017, another dark day in American history. Between election day and inauguration day, during the period of the defendant's transition to his role as president the defendant, Donald Trump, met with David Pecker privately in Trump Tower in Manhattan. 
Donald Trump thanked David Pecker for handling the stories of the doorman and woman one and invited David Pecker to the inauguration. And in the summer of 2017, Donald Trump invited David Pecker to the White House for a dinner to thank him for his help during the campaign, smearing Hillary Clinton as much as he possibly could. The defendant falsified business records. This is a whole other section. Shortly after being elected president, Donald Trump arranged to reimburse Michael Cohen for the payoff he made on Donald Trump's behalf. In or around January 2017, the Trump CFO, the guy who's in jail right now, and Michael Cohen met to discuss how Michael Cohen would be reimbursed for the money he paid to Stormy Daniels to ensure her silence. The Trump financial officer asked Michael Cohen to bring a copy of a bank statement for the um, Essentials Consultant account, so that's that phony shell company account, showing the $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels. So the Trump uh, financial guy and Michael Cohen agreed to a total repayment of, get this, $420,000. Michael Cohen paid $130,000, but he's getting back $420,000. They reached that figure by adding the $130,000 payment to a $50,000 payment for another expense for which Michael Cohen also claimed reimbursement for a total of $180,000. The Trump financial guy then doubled that amount to $360,000 so that Michael Cohen could characterize the payment as income on his tax returns instead of a reimbursement. And Michael Cohen would be left with $180,000 after paying $50% in income taxes. So they doubled the payment because Cohen had to pay taxes. <laughs> Finally, Trump's financial guy added an additional $60,000 as a supplemental year-end bonus. <laughs> Together, all these amounts totaled $420,000 to Michael Cohen. The um, Trump financial officer, who's now in jail, memorialized these calculations and handwritten notes on the copy of the bank statement that Michael Cohen provided him. So there's like little notations on these exhibits. Donald Trump, the, his financial officer, and Michael Cohen then agreed that Michael Cohen would be paid $420,000 through 12 monthly payments of $30,000 each over the course of 2017. Each month, Michael Cohen was to send an invoice to Donald Trump through the Trump Organization employees falsely requesting $35,000 thousand dollars for legal services rendered in a given month pursuant to a retainer agreement. At no point did Michael Cohen have a retainer agreement with Donald Trump or the Trump 
organization, but he was submitting a bill for legal services that didn't exist because he had to pay off all this stuff. Hoy vey. In October 2017, Donald Trump and Michael Cohen met in the Oval Office at the White House and confirmed this repayment agreement. So he's paying off all of these women that he had alleged sex with, but he's dirtying up the Oval Office. Of course, he's not the first one to do it, but still. Do they ever learn? On or about February 14th, Michael Cohen emailed the controller of the Trump Organization the first monthly invoice, which stated, Pursuant to the retainer agreement, kindly remit payment for services rendered for the months of January and February 2017. Lies. The invoice requested payment of the amount of $35,000 for each of these two months. The Trump money guy, it's now in jail, approved the payment, and in turn, the controller sent the invoice to the Trump organization's accounts payable supervisor with the following instructions. Post to legal Expenses. Put retainer for the months of January and February in the description. So dirty. Michael Cohen submitted 10 similar monthly invoices by email to the Trump Organization for the remaining months of 2017. Each invoice falsely stated that it was being submitted pursuant to the retainer agreement and falsely requested payment for services rendered for a month of 2017. In fact, there was no such retainer agreement. And Michael Cohen was not being paid for services rendered in any month in 2017. The Trump controller forwarded each invoice to accounts payable supervisor, consistent with the controller's initial instructions. So lies, 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 lies. I'll just skip all this. They're just doing this over and over and over again. And it just goes on and on about how all this money was paid through Trump's accounts. Now we come to the juicy part to the investigation into lawyer A and the defendant's pressure campaign. So now the federal government, the feds, have started investigating Michael Cohen. On or about April 9th, 2018, the FBI executed a search warrant on Michael Cohen's residence and office. In the months that followed, Donald Trump and others engaged in a public and private pressure campaign to ensure that Michael Cohen did not cooperate with law enforcement and the federal investigation. So Trump is president of the United States and he is engaged in all of this pressuring of Michael Cohen and all of this illegal nastiness. On the day of the FBI searches, Michael Cohen called to speak to, the, to Donald Trump to let him know what had occurred. In return, Donald Trump told Michael Cohen, stay strong. On or about April 21st, 2018, Donald Trump publicly commented on Twitter, encouraging encouraging Michael Cohen not to flip. He's, he's doing this on Twitter, stating, most people will flip 
if the government lets them out of trouble, even if it means lying or making up stories. Sorry, I don't see Michael Cohen doing that, dot, dot, dot. I mean, what? Ugh. In mid-April 2018, Michael Cohen was approached by an attorney who offered to represent him in the interest of maintaining a back channel of communications to Donald Trump. This they've done before and since. They did it a lot to all of the people, or many of the people who worked in the White House after the insurrection. So back to the document. On or about April 21st, 2018, Lawyer C, who's now the lawyer who says who's working for Trump, emailed Michael Cohen highlighting that he had a close relationship with Donald Trump's personal attorney, Lawyer D. That we have oh, Lawyer A, Lawyer B, Lawyer C, Lawyer D, stating this could be a better solution for the president or you. Later that day, Lawyer C emailed Lawyer A. <laughs> Lawyer C trumps um, some attorney they wanted Michael Cohen to use, emailed um, Michael Cohen, writing, I spoke with Lawyer D, Trump's lawyer, very, very positive. You are loved. Lawyer D said his communication channel must be maintained. Sleep well tonight. You have friends in high places. And this just goes on and on. Lawyer A, Lawyer B, Lawyer C, Lawyer D. And um, we get to, apparently, Michael Cohen is going to flip. He doesn't have a choice. I've heard this story before. The federal prosecutors were threatening to arrest his wife. And he said he couldn't do it. They were, they were rushing through uh, documents to, to arrest him right away. And they said that if he didn't confess and... Um, turned himself in and confessed to these crimes that they would arrest his wife as well. And he didn't, he couldn't do that. So meantime, Trump and all these lawyers for him are pressuring Cohen. And, um, there's one in, in an email, Trump's lawyer wrote to Cohen, you're making a big mistake if you believe the stories these journalists are writing about you. They want you to cave. They want you to fail. They do not want you to persevere and succeed. So they're pressuring Michael Cohen not to turn. Then the um, Donald Trump commented on Twitter, if anyone is looking for a good lawyer, I would strongly suggest that you don't retain Michael Cohen. Later that day, Donald Trump posted on Twitter, I feel very badly for one of his former campaign managers who'd been criminally charged. Unlike Michael Cohen, he refused to break, make up stories to get a deal. I mean, it's so, I'm, I'm skipping because it's just so. Finally, on August 21st, 2018, Michael Cohen pleaded guilty to a felony in connection with his role in the um, scheme to pay off Karen McDougal, woman one. 
admitting that he had done so at the direction of the uh, Donald Trump. But that's not true. He he didn't pay off Karen McDougal. David Pecker paid off Karen McDougal. But Cohen said that he just confessed to it just to save his wife. Michael Cohen also pleaded guilty to a felony in connection with the payoff of Stormy Daniels to secure her silence. And um, off Michael Cohen went to the Who's Gal, also known as prison. And that is the end of the tawdry <laughs> statement of facts. Cohen going to jail. And now both Cohen and Pecker are testifying against Trump in this case. Pecker turned. Pecker was, um, they had the goods on Pecker. And so he he's turned and agreed to help them with Trump to save himself. And that is it, my furry friends. Nothing's going to happen in this case for a while, but Trump is facing other counts, including the next one is going to be um, coming up this month. And I'll have more on that in another podcast because this is this is about as much fun as I can have at any given time. So I will get this posted. I love you all. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. I will see you soon. I hope. Please follow. Please subscribe. Please follow me on TikTok and uh, that very popular. I'm trying to get a thousand subscribers on YouTube. I'm Gloria Moraga. I'm a political woman. I vote. Be safe.